every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Sydney Sloan, CMO of SalesLoft, a leading sales engagement platform whose most recent funding round valued the company at over a billion dollars. Sydney is a two-time CMO and seasoned marketer with more than 25 years of experience as an advisor, investor, and marketing leader for numerous companies, most notably Adobe, where she spent 15 years in product marketing, customer marketing, and demand generation. On this episode, Sydney delves into the inner workings of Sales Loss website, explains how to personalize your marketing team's communications, and shares the framework she uses for having difficult conversations at work. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Sydney Sloan, CMO of Sales Loft, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios and host of Demand Gen Visionaries. And today we are joined by our good buddy, Sydney. How are you? I am doing fantastic, Ian. Thank you. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat demand with you, which you know we've chatted a bunch in the past and on podcasts, but we've never really dug in on the demand side. What was your first job in demand gen? I was an event planner back in the mid-90s when trade shows was the only way to get demand because there weren't websites yet. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I managed global events for a software company out of Ottawa, Canada called Jetform, which was acquired by Adobe. And I traveled the world. I demoed, I talked to customers and learned so much about customers and had an opinion about things that they said, hey, you, you should get into product marketing. But that's that's where I started. And so flash forward to today, Tell us a little bit about SalesLoft for our listeners who don't know. SalesLoft is the leading sales engagement platform. And what we do is we really help sellers organize how to communicate with our customers. So giving them insights into who their customers are, what they care about, integrating into technologies like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, being able to access the data. And then they use us to structure their communications because we've learned that in order to connect with a prospect, you have to reach out to them many times through many channels. And and so you know how to manage all of those interactions and touches as we call them and, and create really authentic personal communications is the way that sellers engage with buyers. And then we've extended that from just for the prospecting throughout the entire buying cycle. So really, once the seller starts to interact with the customer, how do they communicate to them? And so we have call recording and being able to use that for coaching. And then we capture all the information about the deals and help them manage their deals and, and forecasting opportunities. So we kind of started with prospecting and then our customers, with our customers, we are basically helping sellers across the entire buying life cycle to manage relationships with our customers. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, 
You are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we go to feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest, man-gen secrets. Starting off, who are your buyers? What types of companies? What are their personas? Who is SalesLoft selling to? We are selling to sales teams, primarily in technology, but after the pandemic, it opened up the world to realizing they needed sales technology. So we also have manufacturing companies, lots of financial services companies, ad agencies. So anyone really that's creating a relationship with a buyer looking to have a partnership to serve them, sell them something in B2B. And what size companies traditionally are you working with? We have three different segments. So all is the answer, you know, from small emerging companies, you know, less than 10 employees to mega enterprises with, you know, 5,000 sellers. So we really have scaled with uh, the demand and global sales teams running on our platform. You know, the, the, the thing that I love is that we tie directly to an impact on revenue. So when you implement sales loft, you can see the lift immediately. And that's a really nice place to be. Yeah. And so what's that buying committee look like, uh, generally speaking? Are you talking to chief revenue officers and VPs of sales and folks like that? We find usually that in the larger companies that that um, empowerment is delegated generally to their head of revenue operations or sales operations. So while the final buyer is the CRO, um, it's a lot of times the sales operations teams that are looking at doing the valuation. And because it's a application that sellers use day to day, they're involved in the decision-making process because they have to use it, live it, and and hopefully love it. Um, and so it, it is one of these technologies where you know the, the end users have to be part of the equation because they have to be working out of it every day. And taking a step back, what would you say is your demand gen strategy? My demand gen strategy is twofold. The first is really a brand strategy. The market is so hot right now and so competitive that when people realize they have this challenge, I need them to be thinking sales loft. And the space is getting more and more crowded every day. And there's lots of of us that have gotten great rounds of funding that are spending lots and lots of money. So we spend a lot of, you know, we spend a lot of our budget on awareness and brand and we'll continue to do so because we can correlate that to revenue directly. The second is that I own my own, the marketing team manages the complete inbound motion. And so I'm looking for super efficiency and how we process folks that are coming inbound to get them to a meeting right away. And so that that's the second part is like, how, how do I make sure that we're converting? And last quarter, we generated 65% of net new logos. You know, we can attribute in-quarter business to marketing. And so it's really becoming part of this predictable engine that makes up, up our entire model. Wow, that's amazing. 60 plus percent for, for marketing. Uh, go team. Yeah, I know. Yes. 171% of our goal too. It was a great quarter last quarter. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Let's not get too excited, but I am. <laughs> and so how does how do you structure your uh, your marketing team to uh, to go after to go after those accounts? What does that kind of sales marketing uh, passover look like? Well, it's first about uh, team alignment. I, I, we have to start there. And because we run two different segments, so we have a commercial team and an enterprise team. And so I've organized the teams and frankly, our funnels to two different sales motions. So we run a hybrid strategy. 
For the commercial, it is more of an inbound motion. We do have SDRs on the commercial team as well that are doing some outbound prospecting. But as I mentioned, like a high percentage does come inbound. And so that is your traditional marketing funnel. So we've got you know people coming in. We we don't use MQLs. It's kind of gone. So we talk about engaged accounts. And, and so we're working priority leads and engaged accounts through our inbound motion and with our SDR teams. So that's that's how we kind of the operational side. I think of it as an engine. Our kind of BHAG and our project team is called the 10X team because we're looking at how do we 10X top of the funnel so we can 10X bottom of the funnel and looking at each one of the stages. I think they need a t-shirt. Yeah, no kidding. 10X team. And then on the enterprise side, it's, you know, it is traditional AVM. So we run a completely different motion where the um it's primarily an outbound motion. So we work directly with the sales teams on identifying our tier one accounts. The sellers have a certain number of accounts that they're assigned. And then the sales leadership goes through every quarter and we kind of re, you know, refresh the, the tier one account program. And then our enterprise marketers, we call them account-based marketers too, partner with the sales teams on running very personalized programs, you know, a lot, you know, one-to-one advertising through our um, account-based platform. And and then the relationship also with the SDRs is really important in enterprise. Um, And so it's a one-to-one relationship between an enterprise seller and SDR, but our marketing team spends a lot of time with the SDRs helping, you know, ideate on really personalized experiences that can, you know, make us stand out. And so we use a lot of direct mail, really thoughtful direct mail. Um, we primarily use Alice on that side of the house where we use Sendoso on the other side. And um, so even our tech stacks are quite different depending on the motion. So it's it's dual. It's a it's a hybrid motion that has ABM for enterprise and a tradition, more traditional funnel for commercial. That's fascinating. Do you think that that's pretty unique or do you think that that's where marketers are headed? Because we we talk to a lot of people who have a similar sort of a mandate where they have three different, you know, personas and, and kind of go about attacking them, you know, a little bit hybrid, but not necessarily as as segmented and, and as uh, defined as you are. I recall having a conversation with the guys at Topo before they were acquired by Gartner. So Craig Rosenberg and Eric and, and Dan and team. And, you know, I, I was like, oh, you know, how do we figure this out? Are we unique? And they're like, no, you're not unique. Because the pendulum, you know, we, we were swinging really far into account-based and not doing as much, like really kind of thinking about the reach that we needed to have to continue to sustain the growth on our growth targets. And we realized in, that, no, you you do have to run a hybrid funnel. I think we've taken it pretty far in the way that we've organized the teams. We have separate leaders. We have separate relationships with the different sales teams and that dedicated alignment. Also, the dedicated alignment to our customer success team that's driving renewals and upgrades. So that's another relationship that we ma- manage and maintain. And there's additional campaigns that we use for once they become a customer because you have to think about marketing to them differently. And so we line up to each stage of of those businesses. So do I talk to a lot of people that have it like me? Not a ton. Um, you know, a lot of it, it, it's like one or the other. So I, I haven't, I would love to, if anybody wants to DM me on LinkedIn and have this conversation, like, you know, how to manage a dual funnel and what are the right metrics and supporting team we, and, and tech, frankly, because we, we even have tech segmented for some of them. 
Yeah, that's. I thought that that was really interesting. Um, that because you know we always talk about getting on the right tech stack, but it's really interesting to hear. It's like actually we have multiple tech stacks for the different size, which is which makes total sense, right? Well, for an example, I mentioned Sendoso and Atlas, and we use ReachDesk in the in in Europe. So I think part of it is. We're in the market, and for folks that are in MarTech or sales tech, you know that there's this whole separate game that we have to play and kind of quid pro quo and who you're with. And, you know, so there's that that part of it that, you know, factors in. But when what we use Sendoso for, they have, you know, the great gift card program and, and the velocity is so fast, they don't really have time to put the thought in to send something that's customized you know, during our sales motion, then say the enterprise team where Alice has you know, all these different choices and they get to pick. And, you know, and so that while they probably have overlapping capabilities as, you know, they're competing with each other, we use different services for different reasons. So that's, that's one example. Yeah, that's so rad. Do you see that that piece, it seems like obviously that's a critical, successful piece for you. You know, we'll get to uncuttable budget items here in a second, but it seems like, that type of uh, of gifting is is critical for you all. It is, and I mean, we're lucky that we have the data to understand. So our data science team, you know, is is running data analysis all the time, and we, you know, we share that with our customers. And what we know is that too many people, even using our platform, when we tell them like don't send, you know, standard emails, you've got to personalize. Like we still see a lot of not personalized, vanilla send going out. And so, you know, we know step one, you have to personalize your communications. Email is the primary channel, but you have to use more than email. So when you start looking at response rates for people that only use email, yeah, it's better than marketing automation because it's one-to-one communication from a, a person to a person, but make sure that the communication aligns with that. So when they're doing email, phone call, a social touch, and a direct mail, that is the holy quadfecta. <laughs> and so you'll get a 4.7x higher lift than sending email alone. Wow. 4.7. Like just don't send vanilla email. I know it's activity, but it does, it's not as effective. Yeah. And and so yeah, so we, you know, we practice what we preach and we you know run personalized programs and we have multi-touch and uh, we use multiple channels and and we know it works. So any fun stuff that you're sending that uh, that you see better results from? I think the real personal stuff matters. So we were prospecting, and we won the deal. Um, just met with the team yesterday. We were prospecting a CRO. We went to his Facebook page and noticed that he had classic Mercedes in his profile, and sent him a custom coffee table book on you know classic cars. So it's that kind of thing or in, in, yeah, sports teams, everybody does that. And that's good. And, and I would, you know, for a different generation that might work really well. There was another one that I loved where somebody noticed on the Instagram page of the prospect that they were really into Taekwondo and got them a gift card at their local dojo. I mean, like that's crazy. That is extra mile. Right. But it, you know, if you want to stand out, you don't just send a bottle of wine from Drizzly, right. You, you learn a little bit about the person and and that's how you make that personal connection. Those are, <laughs> Those are specific. You try and compare those, you know, like it just gives you like the research, research, and then do something really unique and different. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where 
you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win, what are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Advertising, uncuttable. And I'm talking PPC, LinkedIn, it's proven. And we run a really good program. It's nice and tight. Our second uncuttable would be our webinar program. And I I put our summits into that. So these are all of the sales loft produced events. It's great for customers and prospects. The ROI is huge. And as we've added more and more capabilities to our platform, so everybody knows this for cadencing, but then we built a conversations tool, kind of like Gong and Chorus. And then we also have a deals um, application for forecasting. And so being able to communicate back to those customers about new products like is really important. And we know that when we see our customers engaging in our programs, their likelihood to renew is is higher and their likelihood to upsell is higher. And I think anybody and everybody in SaaS knows like you have to continue to work really hard to maintain a customer, especially in a in a competitive marketplace. And, and so having those programs where customers can come and learn and what we're up to learn from others is important. So webinars, second one, third uncuttable. Third uncuttable is our sponsorships. We sponsor a lot of third-party communities, um, John Barrow, Sales Confidence, um, Wise, Women in Revenue, Modern Sales Pros. First of all, the relationships are really important. These communities are doing great work on educating customers out there. And so we want to support them so they stay out there and they continue to educate because we're just technology. It's really how you use the technology that matters. And so the, the the sponsorships that where we are helping underwrite and fund these groups that are doing really good work. And yeah, we get, you know, we get great leads from it. Um, But I think it's more about us wanting to be supportive of the community. And so that's, that's the third one. Yeah, that's, that's a really great one. I, you know, I, I love sponsorships. I love talking about it. I think that those types of communities are so important to people's lives and careers and, and people have so much affinity towards there that I always, I always have this feeling of like, if like when in doubt, you know, how important is this to the group that you're, that you're supporting? Right. And it's like, if they, if that's one of their favorite things, then like, that's a good place to spend your money. Right. It's like, why over, you know, we, you and I did a panel at Dreamforce years ago and, uh, you know, especially back in the day, like how important Dreamforce was to people. So like being there and everyone being there and stuff like that. And now, you know, with with like more niche communities and different things, especially when the pandemic hit, this is, you know, people's support system. That's where that they relied on. It's where they get better at their job. It's where they, you know, connect with people. And like that stuff is is a great place for your company to to be and to support and show that you actually care. And it's a lot, it's a lot easier to to show than tell. Yeah. And and what you can't see folks is my, my head bobbing yet up and down like a bobblehead uh, where I'm in violent agreement because it is part of our mission. Like we want to create a world. Our vision is creating a world where, where sellers are loved by the buyers they serve. And we feel that way. And so it's not just about the sponsorship. It's how we show up. So the participation of our lofters in these groups and the opportunities that they're given to, you know, 
share what we learn, grow their influence ability. And and so it gives us that chance to create a platform for them to showcase as well, but doing it really thoughtfully and giving back. And it just continues to reiterate who we are and what we care about. Like me personally, I, I mentor, mentoring is my thing. I've, I've got the whole company onto it this year, which is great. Cause I think it is about giving back, but you know, the insight in, in mentoring is the mentor actually learns more, I think, than the mentee sometimes. So I do this for women in revenue and I get, you know, it's, it's just great joy to help people. And, um, and so those communities allow you to do that. They're the best. Yeah, they're great. They're like over 5,000, um, members now too. So wonderful. I love women in revenue. It's so awesome. They're just, they're just really great. Fantastic ladies. They are great. Yeah. I know we've had, we've had so many of the squad on the, on the show already. <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to work our way through the whole, uh, executive team here, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and I think that, um, you know, there's also lots of things that you can do to provide a halo effect of those sponsorships. I'm curious, like, how do you kind of, you know, think beyond that? You mentioned, you mentioned advertising is a, is a key part of what you do. Um, I'd imagine a lot of that is, is, you know, retargeting folks that you're already, you know, having conversations with and, and reminding them of how great SalesLoft is. I, I think so. I mean, there's lots of parts of, of advertising. I think, you know, for us, PPC is just, you know, again, the demand is out there and there's so much competition that that's a must have. And as you expand into new markets as well, like it's an easy way to kind of get your attention. Um, and there's so many channels. So it's not just Google, it's Bing, it's YouTube, it's all these different places where sellers live. But the second, and and I really believe in this and I love what Sixth Sense and Demandbase have created with their ad platforms because I know I'm not wasting money. I know when I put my company target list in there and I'm getting 85, 90% coverage of impressions on my target accounts, that that is, that's smart spend. And, um, and so between all these new ways that we can target LinkedIn as well, you can give LinkedIn a targeted list. And, and so I, I just think it's smart marketing around brand versus just the display networks while we're testing. I, you know, I still like, Oh, you know, am, am I wasting money? I, I, I know with these new ways that, people are able to do targeted ads to specific accounts, that that's going to make a difference. And the fact that we then use those platforms to be able to pull in the third-party data, know when they've come to our website, understand what content they were looking at, what ad converted them that's related to a keyword. So our prospecting is more, I mean, like that that's the advanced level degree, but wow, it really works. How do you view your website? It's come a long way. <laughs> I love my website. It's come a long way. We're working really hard on it. First of all, I, I believe the website is the first door, the reflection of your brand. It should speak like a human. And we've worked really hard to make it sound like a lofter. And even, even that our, our chat bot's called Lofty, you know? And, and so just having that um, ability to communicate in the way that sellers want to be um, communicated to. So that's that's important. The second part is... We, because we see what's going on and because I have the inbound team in marketing, we know what questions our customers are asking. So we can use our website to be able to continue to answer those questions to get them further through their education process. So when they have a conversation with someone, we've already done a better job of educating. So we've done a few rounds of that now and have really reduced the 
DQs because we've done a better job of improving our messaging, which, you know, makes total sense. But, you know, just sometimes people forget to do the basics or it's too hard. So that's, you know, it's critical. Um, I I still think there's a lot to do. And my team would let you know that I want to, you know, I I love what HubSpot did. If I could have HubSpot's website, I would. I want to be the go-to resource for every seller, whatever question they have. And so we still have a lot of work to do to be that site. Well, and you, you know, you you spent a lot of resources on on content. Um, some of the things I, I love the future fia, future female CRO series um, that you've done is is really cool. Obviously, you know, I love the podcast because I love podcasts. And you've been uh, you just did your two hundredth episode of Hey Salespeople. And if for for our listeners, if you want to check out a, a great podcast for um, for how to do how how a company can do a podcast, I think that. You all have an example that's been that's been cranking for for a long time, but but you have invested a lot in the content on the website. So you know, I I don't think you're maybe uh, I know that's very aspirational that that you're the place that where everybody goes, but clearly a lot of people go there already. Oh, thank you. I mean, we try to write content that's useful and and um, actionable. Um, of course, we're looking at SEO and all those other things, right? But but being able to showcase what works using data, our data science team to inform that, answering the questions that all salespeople have. Ian, you were talking about, you know, when you were a first seller and it's really hard, you know, your managers are busy. They may not have time to train you on the basics. So where can you go to learn? Like, I want to have those guides for people. I, you know, I, I, I made it through high school on cliff notes. So, you know, and I know everybody's attention span is short, but if we can deliver them relevant podcast snippets, easy to use guides, you know, ask a question, get an, a quick answer. I, I really believe that as the, the, I think the one of the challenges is when I got to Salesoft, we were primarily serving SDRs. So it was, you know, that's all the content we had was, yeah. you know, how to be a great SDR. And I, you know, I think I give us credit and some of our competitors for creating the role of the SDR and how important it is to organizations now, like that it is a critical component of a sales organization to have an SDR team supporting you in your prospecting efforts. I don't know how people do it without, and I don't know how SDRs function without sales enablement, thank goodness, and sales engagement. Um, so, you know, but now we've had to expand because of our platform. So now we need to help inform frontline sales managers, like how to do their job, how to do their job in this new world. How do how do sales leaders now use all this data that's available to them to manage their teams better, to get out of Excel spreadsheets for forecasting and actually use data and engagement data? I was just talking about geeking out on account-based fueling the prospecting funnel. But guess what? We have the same insights into buyer behavior, buyer activities, seller engagement that will help give them a predictive score of whether or not the deal is healthy. And so, you know, there's just so much more information that's available now. How do you, how do we get to all those sales leaders out there to show them there's new and better ways? It's not only about gut and manager forecast versus you know, the rep forecast and all these things, and that they are, they can use all this data we're collecting to help them, you know, build more predictability, understand what parts of the business may not be functioning at the level that they want it to, and, and, and make it easier for them to figure that out. Do you have a favorite campaign that you've run over the past couple of years? It's a, it's a good question. Someone asked me that on a podcast the other day. And, and, um, and so I, I think 
the thing is that we've been lucky with being in a hot market and and really just running competitive campaigns. You know, I could talk about one-off campaigns for some of our larger accounts where the teams just did a really, really good job. But I don't think we're at the campaign game that I know we can be. So I'll be honest about that. Like, I, I think this is an area that we still can continue to improve. But well, uh, what I would say is I, I think our Dreamforce campaign, if we want to call that a campaign last time we did Dreamforce, was was super effective. The best return on investment we'd ever had, where we wanted to be everywhere that sellers were. So if there was a place to be at Dreamforce, we were there. So our brand was everywhere. We had a destination that we owned, um, you know, so a, a restaurant. Uh, I don't know if you popped by or not. But I think I did. It was right next to our office. I think you did. I know. Uh, and so, you know, we, we had a, a home and held like 500 meetings out of that location in, in three days. Um, we did VIP events. I mean, like we just, and we're arm in arm with the sales team on getting the right customers and following through. And so, you know, when you're investing that much and you only have three days to pull it off, like that, that was a really, really good investment now. And I'm curious what some of your other guests think about this too. Like, what are we doing? So with Dreamforce coming back, kind of right in a hybrid way in three cities, San Francisco, New York, London, we're doing some local activities, not at the same scale. Um, we're trying to be around Dreamforce for other people that are doing their programs around the Dreamforce. And so we'll see this year. It's going to be different, but we're going to continue to try. Yeah, it is going to be different. Um, it feels so different when it's not like I, the beauty of it is kind of like that one everybody in one place sort of a thing. So I wonder if if some of the magic is is lost in that way, if it's not all the like one shared experience in one place. At that scale, I mean, you'd go from 170,000 people roaming around San Francisco to 5,000, like we'll even notice, you know, like they won't be shutting down the whole, you know, center of town and everything's in just the Moscone West. And so, I mean, it is going to be different. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I think it, I think it kind of speaks to, um, I think we always had like event season fatigue and now I think it's funny because we're all probably like, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's people too who are like, well, you know, I guess we don't need as many events or something like that or as many in-person events. And I want to be around my family more because that was, that part was nice, but it is really nice to be able to get in that mode of going to an event, you know, meeting new people, meeting people in face to face for the first time that you've just known online, you know, being able to have all of those kind of make memories with people and, and, and do that sort of stuff. And then obviously, you know, go there and learn and, and, you know, grow your skills and, and, uh, try new products and, uh, you know, end up with, uh, the, the one week, uh, one week hangover or sales or Dreamforce hangover of both mental and, and physical, uh, physical hangover. I mean, we were able to pack so much in those five days. That's, that's the part I miss, you know, being able to see that many people and really being able to to get all that done. And I would say the same thing for the conference that, you know, we used to, to run as well. It was like that another lightning strike in the calendar. So Dreamforce was in the fall and ours was in the spring. And, you know, you could plan things around it. I mean, it it shut the team down to try and do anything else. But they, the, you, again, you go back to the return on investment. It was totally there. Where I feel like what I'm seeing, first of all, events are picking up. We're going to Saster. We're going to Dreamforce. 
you know, there's, there's, we're still seeing some virtual, but we're seeing some hybrid and in-person. So, hey, excited to be in person and see people. Back to that first job I had as an events person, right? <laughs> I'm going to be back on the show floor. Um, but I do think that it the mega events, you know, I question, although Amazon just announced that they're going to do reInvent in Vegas again this year with, I think, 40,000 people. So, you know, I think they'll just need to be a couple of proof points that it can be done. And Maybe we'll get back to 80% of what it was. I, I don't know if we'll be back to the 100%, but maybe I'm just basking in the glow, Ian, of California lifting its mandates yesterday and actually going out and seeing people not wearing masks and having hope for the future. <laughs> I know, me too. I'll, um, I'm excited to come to, uh, to your conference and uh, when, whenever that is, and then we'll be able to at least, uh, at least hang out again. Okay, last... Uh, uh, last two things here. The dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust up in your career? Uh yeah. First of all, sales loft, we get along well, so I don't have I don't have that many. I mean, I think when I first got uh, to sales loft, our CEO, my CEO, Kyle and I, we're literally like the same dot on the discharge. So we have very similar personalities. And so we learned how to communicate through in a way that has changed my life on how to, you know, have conversations where there's tension and just let it go, which is great. Like I've been at sales loft for three years. I can't believe it. And I've learned so much. So I'll share this. It's called the clearing model. And um, and the way that the structure works, you could look it up on online. It's how to have a difficult conversation. The facts are, the story I tell myself is, it makes me feel my part in this was and what I need from you. And it just allows you to like take whatever's in your head and get it out there. And then the other person just has to hear it. And so, you know, they just have to say back what they heard and then you can clarify and it can stop there. Like, I just want to be heard. I want to get this off my chest or they can respond if you, you want them to. And we've been able to get this to a science that it's like, if something's bothering me, I'd be like, Hey, can I have a two sec, you know, a two minute clearing with you and I'll do that. And then, and it raises attention and awareness too, to sometimes where we don't realize the things that we do might set a trigger for somebody else. And in doing that, I mean, my team does that with me sometimes, you know, yeah, I'm push, I push myself hard. And if I push the wrong way, being able to have that is really a powerful tool that we can all lean on. So we don't carry it, right? We're not sitting there and like, you know, fretting over something that was maybe not intention intended to be that way, or maybe was, and then it gives an opportunity to apologize. I love that. We might have to add a segment of the show. Oh, it's so good. I got the guy to teach you too. Okay, let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like conversational marketing with qualified qualified prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly, go to qualified.com. Uh, one of my pals is a CMO. They, uh, they just baked off qualified with a competitor, and qualified crushed it. So go check out qualified. We love them. They sponsor the show. They're the best partners you can possibly have. Go to qualified.com to learn more. You can talk to somebody right now. Just go talk to somebody. Go to qualified.com. Quick hit, Sydney. Are you ready? Ready. Number one, if you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, I used to answer, I'd be a barista at Starbucks. <laughs> hey, now. 
All right. What's your favorite drink? Uh, Mer- Tall Americano with a splash of soy milk. Anything that you're uh, you're reading, listening to, a uh, podcast, a book, a uh, TV show? I have been just devouring Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. I, I love her podcast. I think I've listened to it on on repeat, and then I bought her book and her handbook. And then I just pulled Dale Carnegie's book back onto my shelf because I think that's always a great one to go back to. If we were to come back one year from now, what's the biggest thing that, that you think has uh, has changed in the industry, changed for you? Uh, changed for sales off, changed, uh, changed in general? Changed in the industry. I think global expansion of our category is going to happen this year in a big way. Um, so I think that's going to be exciting just to be able to bring, you know, new, new sellers into, into this world. Change for me personally, my first child would have graduated from high school. And so, you know, being down to one, that's, that's going to make me sad. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Time flies. <laughs> My son. What is one piece of advice that you would give to uh, to a CMO who's trying to rethink or figure out their demand gen strategy? Don't try to fix it all at once. Try to try and find one part that you can focus the team on and fix that first, and then go to the second one. I, I you know just trying to do it all at once can be overwhelming and take too long. So might as well get quick wins. Sydney, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for joining. As always, thanks to our friends at Qualified for sponsoring. Any uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Obviously, uh, everybody should check out salesoff.com. Tons of great content. Uh, they have a great sales podcast. And uh, and obviously, you know, talk to your CRO about it. But uh, anything else, Sydney? You just did it so well. Like I, I didn't have to even pay you to do it. So thank you, Ian. No, that's it. Just go to, you know, salesoft.com. Like I said, you can DM me at LinkedIn. I'm at Sid Sloan at LinkedIn. And if there's anything ever that I can do to help anyone out there with marketing advice, geeking out, um, or getting connected to Salesoft, I'm happy to do so. Awesome. Always great chatting with you. Thank you. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at qualified.com conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.